The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Aging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back to the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. As I've been mentioning all afternoon, a short show. We've got the Winnipeg Jets. Well, we don't. Uh, the Oilers are in Winnipeg to take on the Winnipeg Jets, hoping to extend their winning streak to five. Unbelievable, but uh, totally necessary. Uh, right now, we're going to go from financial security to home security. In studio with me right now, Oz Struk, a home security specialist with ATD, almost at ATB, uh, Security Services. Let me get your mic on for you there. There you go. Thanks for doing the show, Oz. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, you and I know one another because, of course, you went on our listener trip last year, and you're going again, you and your wife this year. Michelle, looking forward to it. Very much looking forward to it. Can't wait. And I suppose you'll be leaving your house in safe hands while you're gone. Uh, I did reach out to you a couple of months back, or a month back, I'm not really sure, said it was time for me to get a security system. And uh, you came over to my house and uh, put one in. I paid for it, folks, before you text and ask. Um, But it got me thinking about all these years without a security system. And I wanted to talk in general terms about what people should probably get or need or if there ever even is a need. Because uh, over the weekend as well, I tweeted about, hey, I got this hooked up or whatever. And somebody said, oh, well, has your house been broken into or are you just buying into the paranoia is what they uh, tweeted. You showed up and handed me this, uh, and it's a little alarming. So this is my neighborhood, according to Edmonton Police Service. In the last 90 days, there's been eight break-and-enters, two robberies, 12 theft from vehicles, and three thefts of vehicles. And you would naturally, you know my neighborhood, Oz, you've been over there, describe it as a quiet, peaceful, middle-class... Yeah, and I live in the same neighborhood. In same sort of area, yeah. Yeah. Um, is this is this common? I, I'm I'm sure you're on top of this. Is this a typical 90 days? It'll uh, it'll it's pretty scary. Uh, you can any person can go onto the EPS website and just look it up uh, for their neighborhood, and it's it's alarming. But it's everywhere. Hmm. So as a basic item, I, you know, and I know you sell these things, so you probably have all items. Um, as a basic item, what would you recommend would be the basic? absolutely bare minimum house appliance security device that would make a person feel a little safer when they weren't home? Well, at minimum, you should at least cover the doors and make sure you have some motion detection. And then from there, you can add so many different things uh, from automated door locks, cameras, automated thermos control. We can go into life safety devices such as carbon monoxide detectors and smoke detectors, environmental devices, uh, flood sensors, sump pump detectors. Mm. goes on and on. That's a whole lot of push notifications right there. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned doors. So at the very least, doors, and you said what, motion? And motion detector. Okay. So doors, somebody breaks. I mean, you know, how, how do people typically break into a house? Is it through the doors or is it through a window? Well, I don't know if there's a typical. I guess it would be a, an opportunity uh, for the burglar, depending on the particular house. So they'll look for a weak point. Uh, typically, even if they break in you know, through a window, uh, and they're going to steal your 65-inch big screen. They're not taking <laughs> oh, it out I wish, Oz. <laughs> I wish I had a 65-inch screen to be stolen. 
So they'll typically have to at least exit through a door. I see. And so the advantage there is what, though? So they're exiting with my item and an alarm is going to go off, uh, but they're gone with my item already. Well, the reality is, I mean, alarm systems keep honest people out, but it's yet another layer. Um, it hopefully will keep them out of your house, um, but even if they get in, they hopefully don't stick around very long because mm. the sirens are going and the police are on their way. Okay, so you mentioned uh, doors, so most people, of course, have a front and a back door motion detection, so motion detection would be within the house itself, so even if they gain entry through a window, if they walk through the area that's covered by the motion detector, even though the doors are intact, some notification will happen that there's an intruder. Exactly, that's right. Okay, when uh, I talk to other people about security systems, um, one of the concerns is the monitoring cost. Can you get an alarm that just simply notifies you and not a company? Uh, There's probably devices out um, that do something like that. Um, I don't really deal in that realm, so I'm not Mm -hmm. positive. But um, the problem with having it just notify you is if your phone's not on or you don't have it with you or you're on a flight or or, or then nothing happens. So the monitoring company is there 24-7. Okay, so when that alarm goes off and the monitoring company... And by the way, how much does monitoring, monitoring usually cost a month? Um, well, all those services and all different options I talked about earlier, that'll all change the amount it'll cost. Depending on what you've got in your house. You so let's say two doors and the motion detector, what's so the monitoring? Say you're somewhere between the, you know, the 40 to $50 range. Um, per month. Per month. But it could be lower depending on whether it's running over phone line, whether it's running over internet, whether it's running through its own cell network. So all those things completely change the price and every house is different. Every customer's okay. requirements are different. So so just out of pure curiosity, it must sort of go up in stages because there is a myriad of things that you can put in your house that are, you mentioned That's many right. of them and it's amazing what you can do. And most of it controlled on a phone or a tablet. So no matter where you are, you can check. Um, Somebody's broken into my house, uh, motion detector has picked them up, alarm has gone off, I've been notified on my phone or tablet, what's the monitoring company doing? What's, what's the security company doing at that point? Well, they're doing the notifying on your phone or tablet, for one. Okay. Number two, then they're also following up and calling you, and depending on the particular alarm and uh, the priority, priority level, uh, they'll be notifying either a guard service or the police. Again, depending on what devices have gone off and what the, you know what the alarm is. So I know some people would argue that the police may or may not respond in time in order to stop whatever's going on in your house. Um, but I suppose the advantage would be that these devices come with a camera, right? So you're capturing um, you're capturing a picture of whoever broke into your house. Yeah, the camera's uh, definitely an option, whether it's indoor, outdoor, or doorbell camera. Um, if an alarm's going off and you get a notification on your phone, just simply turn on the app and take a look inside your house and you can see what's going on. Depending on what's happening, then make the determination of what you want to do about it. Yeah, we actually had our first, and I'm sure when people get new security systems, this they have this first. In fact, uh, is it not true that for the first week or so, it, the, you kinda, the security company kind of says, okay, probably a false alarm because you forget to turn it off and you're walking out. Yeah, we have a out, familiarization period. There you go. Yeah. So when that week had elapsed in my particular house, and we were now in Las Vegas, and I, uh, fortunately I knew you, so I texted you going, Oz, I don't know what to do, uh, but our alarm's going off. We're being notified on our phones. Uh, we're looking at the camera, and there's nothing going on in the house. But what we can see is uh, one of our pets 
uh, up on the back of the couch uh, attempting to flick the motion detector. It's way above his reach, uh, but he's making all this movement. So how much of an issue is that if you, with these motion detectors, if you have pets in the house? Well, a lot of those uh, problems can be solved by just where the motion detectors get located, for one. Um, the motion detectors nowadays, most of them are a pet immune. So, uh, you know, we call them motion s- sensors, but they're really a, called a passive inf- infrared sensor. So they're just looking at the temperature. They're looking at heat sources. So when your body mass goes through the room and it puts out enough heat, it recognizes that change in temperature, where a pet generally won't Right. Won't do that. But if a pet can get close enough to the motion sensor, then it can fool it. <laughs> Which is what this... Which is probably what happened. Yeah, it was Monkey had jumped up on the back of the couch and was actually stretching up the wall and attempting to uh, touch it. And two other cats had joined to see what he was up to. So we had three cats in a very small area. It was actually quite entertaining to see from Vegas. More entertaining than some of the shows we bought tickets to, but still, it was one of those things where, okay, so we're going to have to adjust where we put this motion detector so as not to have those false alarms. Okay, so... And the nice thing is, in your case, you were able to actually go onto your camera and take a look what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's funny. The first time you get notified of some kind of break and enter or some kind of breach, you panic. Uh, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, and even now, we've our house has never been broken into, but houses around us have been broken into, and you know that's part of the reason why we almost the entire reason. But yeah, there's this panic that something's going on, but there's this uh, complete peace of mind. You're looking at the sensors, looking at the picture, and going, okay, nothing's actually happening in that house. Um, it would have been a different story. You know, had I been here, I'd have probably jumped in my car and uh, driven right, home, right? right? But you're, you feel helpless when out of town. And I'm, so, like I say, I'm just looking at the screen going, okay, well, I'm literally watching a cat attempt to lick a sensor. So we'll just move that sensor a little bit and things will be good. There's various settings too, right? Home, away, and gone, right? Or something along those lines. Stay in away modes, yes. Right, right. So stay mode for nighttime, which essentially ignores the motion sensor so you can walk around the house. And is there any privacy issue with this? Like, uh, I haven't looked at our texting lines. I'm sort of a one-man show here, but I'm going to guess that somebody's asked, well, wait a second, if the camera, where's the camera broadcasting to? So can a security company look at my camera and see my living room? Well, I suppose everything in today's world can be hacked, but I haven't heard of that happening as of yet. So it's not something that they're routinely doing? Right. Right, okay, fair enough. And this isn't like a type of camera you just buy from a, you know, a router manufacturer or like a baby monitor camera. This is actually a security camera from a security company. So I imagine the security yeah. levels would be a lot. What's greater. been the big seller for you this year? Has it been the door alarms or has it been the doorbell cameras? Uh, different applications, different needs. Uh, you know, in my case, well, I have all that stuff in my house. I've got the doorbell camera, which I use for that purpose. Yeah. And then I have a camera at my uh, on my front porch. It's for a totally different purpose. So... Every customer's needs are going to be different. Every house is different. You know, last year when we were on the listener trip, um, we're sitting by the pool and I get a notification. That's on my right. Phone and uh, I see that uh, I had asked my sister to come check on the house. So her code was used. So it came up that with her name saying that she just disarmed my system. In my case, I, it was done with an automated door lock. So she punches in her four-digit code, it opens or disar- or unlocks the door and then disarms the system, sends me a notification. I open up the app, I take a look at my camera inside the house and I can see her walking around watering the plants. When she's done, she turns on the alarm, I get a notification, I check, make sure all the doors are locked, 
there's no movement. Do you, do you find it's like a reality show when you first get these things? I mean, you can't take your eyes off it. It's it's bizarre when it when you first start. Yeah. But I've had mine now for so many years. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine not having it. Right. I, I can't imagine going to bed without turning it on or leaving the house. Well, I leave my house and I forget to turn it on. It notifies me that I forgot to turn on the alarm. Huh. Yeah, I get that notification uh, at midnight that I haven't activated the alarm yet. You know, my kids were saying to me yesterday uh, that they were grateful, uh, not that I had gotten the alarm, but that I hadn't gotten it when they were teenagers because it just notifies me (laughs) (laughs) of everything. Exactly. The comings and goings and a picture to boot. All right, got to take a break, sell some things. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about what all you can get for your home in the way of home security. And we're talking with Oz Strook, a home security specialist with ADT Security. Back to the 6:30 Chad afternoon news. We've been sitting down with Oz Stroop, Home Security Specialist, ATD. I'm having trouble today. ADT. ADT. There you go. I have ADD. Um, Oz, your specialty is not actually uh, residential, but I, you did do me a favor and help me with my residential. You do small commercial for the most part, but before we get there, and with what time we have left, tell, just tell me briefly. Um, the other systems that a, an individual in a residence could possibly get. We talked about the the doors. Yeah, I'm sure you could do the windows as well. You can do the windows, glass break detectors. Okay, motion uh, sensors all throughout the house. What do you think most people need? Well, that's a really tough question. It's uh, the way I've done it at my house, but I'm in the business. Right. I've done pretty much everything. But... Um, you know, a minimum of at least the doors in the motion, uh, depending on the size of the house, how many doors you have, uh, what the access points are. If the house is set up and you've got uh, an extension ladder laying on the side of your house, well, you may want to also do the upstairs bedroom windows. Mm, interesting. It's pretty easy to break in that. I way. suppose, you know, whether it's rural or, um, uh, you know, in the city, you'd maybe want to go with some floodlights outside, Absolutely. something like that. Every layer of protection. Okay, so generally... You know, somebody texted and said, well, I pay for the system, all you need is the sticker. Um, houses that have security systems tend to have signs out front saying that they are that they are equipped with security systems. Some houses have uh, warnings that you're being filmed. Others have floodlights that come on in a backyard or front yard. Um, are those equally important deterrents? You know, it all comes down to the comfort level of the individual. Um, you know, I know my wife didn't want to put any stickers on the windows saying that we have video monitoring. Well, I kind of compromised and I just taped it onto the windows. So it's not really stuck on, but <laughs> That's it's a there. good compromise. You know, another important <laughs> one, especially in the city of Edmonton, the you, you're required to get a, a city of Edmonton police sticker, a permit, an alarm permit. So a burglar also may know that. So when they're going down the street and seeing the we'll call it the fake stickers that are fake lawn signs Mm. but if you see that police sticker on that door you know there's an alarm system in there so it's an important one another layer of protection but an important one okay we mentioned uh, a moment ago that one of my pets tripped the alarm right but still speaking of pets uh, we used to have a big Bernese Mountain Dog, and he barked at everything. And I know a locksmith once told me that, hey, that's the best security you could have is that dog that barks at everything. Uh, so uh, is that true? Is the dog a better security it's system? It's a fantastic deterrent. But ultimately, it comes down to 
when we start talking about life safety devices in the house, like carbon monoxide detectors or smoke detectors, well, the dog's not going to dial 911, right? If, you know, sometimes it seems that people have more concern about their pets than their, their own family um, in caring for them. Well, there's a huge advantage of putting a carbon monoxide detector and a smoke detector in a house. Save your pet's life. So as far as the burglary aspect goes, yeah, it's another deterrent but they still ultimately can't dial 911 and hmm. my dog would have shown them where my valuables were quite frankly he <laughs> exactly. barked at everybody but then you know couldn't wait for them to death. yeah he was happier than hell he was getting a visitor uh, so you do do uh, commercial what kind of things are we talking about the same sort of products same type of things for a commercial establishment they're similar there's a few different levels of um, I'll call it uh, uh, quality where in the commercial aspect you might have to have um, UL certified product where in residential you typically don't um, on a commercial site we might be doing card access systems the ca camera systems and not necessarily the type that you do in a residential where it's just running over Wi-Fi these are like the hardwired mm. full systems uh, higher resolution uh, you can do different recording set settings whether that's just on motion or 24 7 um, the all the way up to stuff like uh, the cameras you'd find in a casino pretty pretty high end it's interesting because you know you can imagine working in a newsroom how often we're provided with pictures to post from Edmonton police of a suspect whether it be in a commercial establishment or home invasion or simply taking parcels off a porch as people were doing uh, before Christmas how about those doorbell cameras oh, I love it man I'm telling you I, I almost wish somebody would take a parcel so I could post this picture <laughs> um, but the resolution was so dramatically different that it almost, in my mind, became useless to have the camera if it's not going to give you a high-res uh, picture of the culprit. One of them, I mean, it could have easily been, you know, a 26-year-old white guy or the Grinch. I, like, you couldn't tell at all. So, Well, the technology's come a long way. So some of the older uh, cameras, they weren't really set up uh, to do high def because high def didn't exist at the time. Well, now we don't do anything without having high def. As a matter of fact, it's so high def that a regular computer monitor can't even show the the full resolution. Really? Yeah. These days, with the temperatures where we have them in minus 25 up to minus 30, do the cameras and equipment outdoor all work in these temperatures? Yeah, they're typically rated from about minus 40 Celsius to plus 40 Celsius. Okay. So. Um, that's it. We're out of time, Oz. I appreciate it. If anybody's interested in getting hold of you to talk about uh, security, how do they do it? Uh, sure. They can call me at 780-700-2627 or text me at the same number, 780-700-2627. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, folks, if you do end up investing in some kind of home security, like I say, it's like a reality television show. I can't take my eyes off this. I'm sure the uniqueness of it and the freshness of it will wear off, um, but I've got all notifications on. I'm seeing people come and go out of my house. I'm watching everything that's going on. It will lose its luster eventually, but for now, it's giving me great security. Oz, thanks again. And I and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chat, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. 3.38 on this, a Wednesday afternoon of the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. And, of course, it is the first day back from a weekend, which means, of course, that it's time for... Do you want to do it with me, Let's Todd? Let's do it. All right, it's time for... The, the Hoot 
There you go. Todd Hirsch. <laughs> Senior economist? Chief economist. Chief economist. Whatever. whatever. Uh, over at uh, ATB Financial. Man, it's been like an ATB-themed show this afternoon. It has been. That's fantastic. Did you listen in uh, when uh, Chris Turnchansky turned? I was not. I, I know Chris very well. I know he was fantastic. I was probably visiting with my mom while he was on. I'm up in Edmonton for a couple days. so I was told by our mutual friend John Winwick that he was young. Uh, smart and uh, informative. And he was all of those oh, things. Oh, he is all those things, yeah. I almost canceled the rest of the show to go invest <laughs> money. So, hey, uh, that's, I guess, small picture economics. Let's talk big picture economics. Big picture. And, Todd, you said, you tweeted, and I repeated, that this is going to be a freewheeling conversation. Yeah. And I know you're a little bit under the weather, so I'm, I'm concerned <laughs> that I may end up accidentally trapping you um, I'll, I'll let you know if you are. Okay, great. I'm uh, good at getting out of traps. Excellent. I know you are, and you're great at these kind of conversations. <laughs> so it is year-end, and I wanted to look back over 2017, and without mm. specifically looking at numbers, which you don't have in front of you, right. or any specific kind of indicator, every week, at some point during the week, aside from the hoot, I see some report or read some news item which may or may not indicate that a recession has ended or that recovery has begun. And today it would be Airbnb, for example, said that yeah. they think uh, tourism to Edmonton is going to increase um, or or use of Airbnb is going to increase in Edmonton by 284%. I want you to verify I don't have that number in front of me, but it's accurate. Um, EA, uh, the airport yeah. people said that they're going to see the first increase in numbers of passengers after a two-year slump of not seeing that. What are the indicators? I know you look at them all. What yeah. are the ones you really look at? The ones, if I had only, say, three indicators to look at. Yeah, you're on a deserted island. It can only yeah. take three indicators. Oh, what are they? It's painful to narrow it down to three. I love them all so much. It's like, <laughs> it's don't like your make children. Me, it's like Sophie's Choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I would pick the, la the Labor Force Survey. That's the monthly report that uh, gauges the unemployment rate, how many people are working, part-time, full-time jobs, all those things. And does that encompass migration as well, or is that... That does not. Okay. Well, there is a measure in there on the size of the labor force. So the number of people who are looking for work or working. So the labor force, if the labor force shrinks, it could be that people are leaving the province or it could be that people just stop looking. Mm. We're not really sure. That's why we have to look at other reports kind of in conjunction. Okay. But I would look at the labor force survey. Labor force survey. Okay. Yeah, that comes out usually the first Friday of the month. And two more. Two more. I would look at housing starts. Housing because starts. that's a very good indication of how confident people are feeling okay. in the economy. And I would look at retail trade. Another that's one a discretionary that, buying we always that's talk right, about. Yeah. Another one that measures, because so much of what happens in the economy, it is driven by sentiment. If people are feeling nervous, it doesn't matter if they're still working or not. You know, even at the peak of the recession, or I guess the trough, the, the lowest mm -hmm. point of the recession, 91% of Albertans were still working, but retail sales had dropped significantly because even those 91% whose economic situation didn't change, they're nervous, they're not feeling good about the economy. So retail uh, trade gives a really good barometer of just how confident or how optimistic people are feeling. You know, uh, I feel like a magician because I want to tell the audience that uh, I was going to say, now we don't know each other, we didn't pre-plan this. <laughs> you picked three that I specifically wanted to talk about. And okay. the reason, yeah, the reason I wanted to talk about them was uh, I want to ask you about lead times in terms of 
uh, when we're looking at a statistic like, say, retail, because everyone's going to want to hear the statistic about retail sales over this Christmas. Over Christmas it's just yeah. one of those numbers where you go, was it up, was it down, whatever. What's typically the lead time to get a, new, a piece of information like that? So Stats Canada, when they release retail trade, it usually is about two and a half months after the fact. So, or pardon me, one and a half months. So mid-December, we got the retail trade numbers for October. That at the moment is the most recent month we have available. But you would still use those year-to-year comparisons to try and determine that, yeah. or to anticipate forecast that Christmas sales will be up, for That's example. That's right, yeah. Okay. And I usually look at not just October over the previous October. Usually what I try to do is look at the last complete 12 months and compare that with the previous 12-month period. Because gotcha. if you just look at October versus October, there could have been something funny in the survey that month or, you know, just some anomaly that could lead to an um, incorrect conclusion about what's really happening. Do you know, every time I hear you say something like that, I think about a story an old boss of mine told at Algoma Steel, Bill Taylor. He's not with us anymore, but he made mention of the fact that one time they went to a fishing camp somewhere in northern Alberta and they went to the only liquor store which was attached like the gas station or something and they asked the guy if he would order six bottles of a particular liquor and i can't recall now what it was and the guy said i will if you have you know it'll take two weeks but it'll end yeah, we're going to be here so he ordered it and they were years later that they returned and he had a whole shelf of them and he goes wow you is it popular he goes, it's not popular at all but he had compared month by year and had uh, determined that he should buy six bottles of this every July because he sold six bottles last oh, year. Right. And it's just one of yeah. those things where that's the reason you can't just yeah. compare apples to apples, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. So labor force survey, how long do you have to wait for that to come out? That one is usually pretty good. It comes out the first Friday of the month for the previous month. So, for example, January 5th, the labor force survey comes out. That will be for December. Uh, okay. So January it's, it's, 5th, you'll get it for December? Yeah. Okay. Now, it is only only a survey and it's one of these things the longer out you wait in time say you we're going to wait four or five months it would be more accurate but you sort of trade off that accuracy for um, timeliness right so the fact that it comes out five days after the month that just ended you know we do have to be a little bit careful in in, in sometimes um, looking at those numbers because they are all subject to revisions. Okay, and housing stats? Housing stats, that one is also the previous month, so um, that one's pretty good too. All right, so, and as I say, I'm not trying to lead you down the garden path (laughs) a little bit, but I I kind of am, because here I'm getting to the bigger question. So those are, you know, labor force survey, housing stats, and retail trade um, will all be the end results of some economic situation. a, a dramatic rise in um, the oil industry, uh, mm-hmm. you know, something else is going on in the economy. That's right. And then this is the report card of what effect that event had on on these yeah. stats. So you named me three statistics, and I know you don't limit yourself to three, but three important ones. So can you name me one or two, possibly three events then uh, that you look at as an economist in Alberta? Is it price of oil, that sort of thing, where you suggest that based on this, I anticipate that we're going to have positive results from these three statistics. Well, that's a good question too. Let's start with housing starts because that one is driven, it's driven by, you know, oil prices and confidence in the economy, but it's really driven by interest rates and where people expect interest rates to go. Okay. And that's why we did see, uh, I don't want to use the word a a, a big surge, but we saw a modest surge in housing starts at the beginning of 2017. 
up from the bottoms that we saw in 2016, there was this nice rebound in housing starts at the beginning of this year. Now, some of that was, well, people were feeling more confident about the economy and oil was back at 50 and things were feeling at least stable, not great, but stable. But I think the bigger factor was people were anticipating, ooh, it's not going to be too long before interest rates start to climb. And we did see them then in July start to rise and again in September. So people, I think there was a little bit of pent-up demand for housing starts. Remember that 91% of people that were still working mm-hmm. might not have wanted to build that new home in 2015 or 2016 because they felt like it's just not the right time. The housing market might still you know, suffer some, some drop in price. But by early 2017, I think enough of them thought, ooh, interest rates could start to rise. If we're going to do this, let's do it now. And that's why we saw that that lift in housing starts at the beginning of the year. Okay, and just specific to that one, because I know, you know, you like to dummy it down for me, and I appreciate that. Um, but our housing starts not driven by developers as opposed to individuals buying houses. So there's, there's yeah. kind of a middleman in there where a developer says, I believe that I'll be able to sell these yeah. hundred homes. Some of it is driven by demand and some of it is driven, they're, they're building homes on speculation that the demand will come. And housing builders, home builders, they've, they've been in these spots before, most notably back in 2006, 2007, where they built far too many mm-hmm. spec homes. And I think they learned, you know, you don't want to get too far in it ahead of yourself because then the crash in oil prices came in 2008 and housing prices as a result took a big hit because there was far too many far too much inventory sitting on the market. This time around, I don't think they did get too far ahead of themselves, uh, but it's always that game they play. Do we wait for orders to come in or do we build some in in speculation that in fact... Yeah, and I I suppose... a factor complicating that decision would be the fact that you, as a company, need to keep moving, though. You need to keep paying yeah. your employees or if you have investors. So you want to be doing something yeah. uh, so that you you know, That's you right. can open and, the doors every and, day. And the home builders also respond to anticipation when interest rates are going to rise. So they know that, okay, it looks like the Bank of Canada is starting to signal that rate increases are coming. We're going to up our building because we know that people are going to want to get in. So they'll they'll use that as a gauge as well. Okay, so interest rates, and I'm just going to give you on oil prices, and we're talking about the tools or the items that you might look at to anticipate what the outcome will be for the statistics that you mentioned were the most important. Yeah. Uh, interest rates, oil prices, is there another? Uh, for which indicator? Is it for, uh, for any, uh, any of them? Yeah, something that you look at that has a dramatic effect on any one of these three that you think is an important event that happens in our economy. Sometimes the rise and fall of the Canadian dollar, that will be another Good one. Another one that will affect different interest rates in different ways. So f- say, for example, if the uh, Canadian dollar tanks, it starts to fall, that's going to be good for our tourism industry, and it's going to be good for our exporters. If the Canadian dollar starts to rise, generally that works against things like uh, groceries, retail prices in stores, because it costs more to import those things. So we're going to see higher prices in the grocery stores. So it's negative for importers and and for businesses that depend on that. All right. So I've taken you all the way down the garden path, and guess where we are? Uh, An outhouse, and here's the grenade. (laughs) Because this is the question I've actually always wanted to ask you. Okay. So you've got the indicators of how an economy are doing. The outcome of events in the uh, economy could be the labor force uh, surveys. You mentioned housing statistics and retail trade. And those could be greatly affected, as you said, by Canadian dollar oil prices and interest rates. Mm -hmm. But each of those three things 
are not controllable yeah. by a provincial government. Uh, interest rates controlled by the Bank of Canada, oil prices controlled by you know whoever, OPEC. Or, global supply and right. demand. And the yeah. Canadian dollar, once again, right. not controllable. So when politicians uh, say that uh, they get elected on the promise to you know, save the economy, help the economy, move the economy, yeah. and opposition says, or whatever, that this is our plan for saving the economy. The biggest factors that you, a uh, respected economist, and no one respects you more than me, <laughs> Basically, you're saying the biggest factors are outside of the control of the government anyway. Absolutely. Governments, and I don't say this critically or with judgment, but governments really control very little of the economy. The best they can do is sort of nudge things, try to nudge things in the right direction. Sometimes they might nudge it in the incorrect direction. But at the end of the day, really, it's these uncontrollable, um, uh, unforeseeable events, um, changes in, in Canadian dollar, changes in oil price. That is what is driving the economy, both up and down. So just like we uh, we tend to want to blame governments when things go awry, uh, we also may not want to give them credit for <laughs> when things improve too, you know. And again, without criticism on, on government policy, the best they can do is just prepare the best framework for the economy to grow on. They don't actually cause it to grow, but they do influence the conditions in the garden. In Interesting. Which, in which so really what it comes down to, uh, as with good comedy, timing, timing is everything. Timing is everything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Uh, Todd, always a pleasure talking to you. That was our freewheeling portion of The Hoot. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun for me as well. I look forward to doing it again. Are yeah. you uh, back with me next week? I'm or? back with you next week. On yeah. the phone, So though. this is the last time this year. Yeah, I'll be back well, with Calgary Well, Happy New Year, week. Todd. And to you too. It's been a great year. Yeah, it has been. I hope you're it's feeling better the next time we uh, talk. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, check on this weather with Jesse Beyer. The, st- the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.